Hi, and welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, Senior Pastor of MCC Tampa. In this podcast, you'll hear the readings and sermon from this week's service. If you'd like to view the entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. The link to that can be found in the program notes. Thanks. Good morning. I'm Brian Parker, and today's first scripture reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in Christ Jesus in this way, my beloved. I urge Judea and I urge Sanchia to be of the same mind in the sovereign. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the sovereign always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Christ Jesus is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received, and heard, and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Good morning. My name is Nadine Lima, and today's second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, 
he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendant, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we're starting our class on the 28 rules to read the Bible, and I hope that you've registered to take that class that, if you can. It's, uh, it's going to be a great class, and I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert. Rule number 11 says, if the story sounds simple, you can bet the meaning isn't. It's a great rule when we think about the text for today. Many are called, but few are chosen. I'm going to be honest, that portion of the text, like, it creeps me out. It gives me the willies. I'm super uncomfortable with that. And, and here's why. See, people in church, they use that line as a trope. And they weaponize that text from Matthew's gospel. The suggestion is that we belong to some private club of the elite. And that those outside the church doors, well, they don't get God's grace, love, or mercy. But did you ever notice, did you ever notice who they are, those people on the outside of the church? They're very different from the people inside the church. Well, not in the important ways, like loving your neighbor. No, they're different in things like age, ability, gender expression, orientation, identity, ethnicity, all those isms that we talk about. Sometimes the church, the worst representative of God on earth. Well-known Christian writer Nadia Boltz Weber has said this, people don't leave Christianity because they stop believing in the teachings of Jesus. They leave Christianity because they believe in the teachings of Jesus so much they can't stomach being part of an institution that claims to be about that and simply isn't. Parables like the one we read from Matthew's Gospel this morning, they express this abstract argument, but they use a narrative that's really easy to understand. So the allegorical characters in today's story, they seem to be really easy to identify. We've got the king, who is purportedly God the creator, and then we have the son, who would be Jesus, and then we have the invited guests. We'll say those are the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish uh, group. And, and that seems to be a pretty obvious assignment. But biblical interpretation calls on us to do something more than just the obvious. It calls on us to just dig a little bit deeper, to explore different possibilities than the obvious ones that may just pop up for us. So I want to queer that text this morning. I want to change that up. I want to suggest that the typical ways 
that we see these characters in this parable from Matthew? Well, they're misaligned. What would it look like if instead of Jesus being the son of the king, Jesus was the man that was bound hand and foot and thrown out into the darkness? Think about that for just a second. The powers and the principalities of Jesus' time had every interest in doing what everybody who is in power, what they always do, hold on to power. Anything that threatens that power, they have to deal with. And so you have to do away with the threat, which is exactly what the Romans did. Jesus shows up at the party, but he chooses not to put on this wedding garment. He chooses not to put on the garment of acquiescence as to who or what or how he can say or do anything. He preaches a message of love and grace, and it belies the structure and the hierarchy and the organization of culture. And he's cast out into the darkness. He's crucified. Because he drew a boundary that refused to go along with what culture told him he must do because it contradicted his own divine calling. I want to say that again. Jesus drew a boundary that refused to go along with what culture told him he must do because it contradicted his own divine calling of love. That's the moral lesson from today's gospel reading in Matthew. And the implications of reading the text like this, they're pretty profound for us. Drawing boundaries, that's not something that we're often taught. It's not something that we do easily. We're we're told that we we really shouldn't set out appropriate boundaries because it's going to end up in conflict or it's going to feel super negative. Oh, that's a lie. Boundaries, well, they aren't something we avoid because of conflict. We avoid them because we're too afraid or too ashamed to call on our own deepest divinity and goodness and love within ourselves. So instead, we do what culture tells us to do. We're polite. We're courteous. We acquiesce. Boundaries are expressions of deep love for ourselves and for others. Let me give you an example. There was a woman who was a physician who had been struck with a disease process that left her temporarily paralyzed head to toe. And she was in the hospital laying in the bed. And in comes doctors and nurses and technicians and family and friends and a whole bunch of folks. And she was in that state for about a week, and slowly she could begin regaining the use of her hand. And so with that hand, she asked for a pad and something to write with. And she wrote on the top of the piece of paper, post this on my door. And then she wrote this, you are responsible for the energy you bring into my room. A couple of weeks later, she had regained almost full use of her body, and her friends would say to her, well, why is that note on the door? And she said this, everybody that came into my room when I was totally paralyzed, they would talk about, 
speak about, argue, fuss. All of that was about stuff that had nothing to do with me or my healing. So the woman chose to speak truth to power by confronting those who were disrupting her own healing. She did the most loving thing that she could do, both for herself and for the other people in the room. She put a boundary up, a boundary for everybody that was going to walk in there that said, you're responsible for the energy you bring into my room. Jesus set lots of boundaries. Jesus spoke truth to power, overturned money changer tables that were designed to prevent people from going in the temple and praying just because they didn't have enough money. Healing on the Sabbath. Jesus set a boundary that said love is greater than the laws of man. The Reverend Elder Troy Perry, he spoke truth to power. Like so many others, he was told he didn't belong in church. Many are called, but few are chosen. Boy, did he hear that one from any number of church folks. Or you, you can come to church, but no, you cannot participate in communion because you're gay or because you're lesbian. And it created this Eucharistic desert for so many who were in need of sacrament and connection. This is why every week we celebrate communion at MCC, that we talk about having an open table, because everyone is worthy in their own divine light of being present at that table. So we celebrate Troy Perry, and we celebrate the 52 years of MCC. Troy Perry shed the wedding garment in this case, a straitjacket of normative behavior that refused to allow God's divine light in each of us to shine forth like a rainbow against a dark sky of cultural oppression. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm compelled to speak truth to power. I, I can't disregard the suffering of others around me structures or systems of injustice that perpetuate hatred and disregard. Bishop Michael Curry, in his book, Love is the Way, he wrote this. He said, I understand how easy it is for us as individuals to be moral personally, and at the same time, be immoral as a part of society, the class, the race, the religion. When the mob does evil, we blame it on the mob, and then we ignore how we are complicit when we are passive. But it can't just be about my speech, right? Like it can't just be the words that I express. It must also be the expressions of my inner truth, my love for all people, my love for neighbor, my seeing the divine in them so that they may see the divine in me. You know, we sometimes forget that we are very much like first century Christians. Just like us, they, they didn't have it all figured out. But they did lean into the discomfort that they might feel. And they did that because what connected them was so much stronger than what might separate them. 
And any number of things back then certainly could have separated or caused rifts in their, in their group. If you read any epistle in the New Testament canon, you'll find that the author is writing this letter to a community and they're telling them how to think or view or process or understand something that's going on in that community. In other words, the epistles, they are full of boundaries. What does it look like for us to just simply refute the garment of normality and instead be clear and concise and loving with each other? Much like first century Christians. Because what connects us, what connects us is far stronger than what would ever separate us. And we find that in the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And our church. Our church has to have clear boundaries. There have been times, as an example, when we were gathered together, as we will be again someday, when new visitors have come into the church and instead of being welcomed appropriately, they've been oogled over or stared at or mistreated. Now, some of you might actually be shocked that I would say that out loud. Like, why wouldn't I deal with that in a super discreet way? Well, here's what I would say. The truth is that the church of Jesus Christ sets the loving boundary to call out bad behavior and then provide love and care and support, both for those who behaved inappropriately and then to provide love for those that have been wounded by that inappropriate behavior. Churches that don't do that, churches that don't do that, they have a lot bigger problems than inappropriate behavior in a church. And it might seem that this morning's text well, it's calling out that whole idea, right? Like many are called, but few are chosen, and that's all about behavior. And you would almost get it if that's how you understood it. But it's more than that. It's not just that we draw the boundary and that we deal with the behavior. It's that we also love one another in the process. And sometimes loving someone enough and loving our own community enough to not have them back when they can't seem to shrug off the garment of their own behavior. You see, our divine inner light and love, it means that we have to seek out that light and that love in others, honoring and holding as sacred that experience of the divine, and that includes in worship. Many of you know that I grew up in the Episcopal Church, so I'm really rooted in this idea of structured liturgy and traditional hymns. As the young folks would say, that's my jam. Uh, that probably looked really funny that I did that, but that's how they would say like, that's my jam. And I'm never going to forget the first time that I heard somebody speaking in tongues or I heard praise music that made no sense to me, and I'm like, what is going on? And I could have done what so many are tempted to do, and I could have just walked away from that experience and waited for something more comfortable to come my way. But here's the thing, I would have missed God's grace showing up in that moment. I would have missed seeing the face of God in those people. Sometimes boundary setting for us 
is to allow God's call on our heart to move beyond what is comfortable and routine into a new way of being. And that shows up for us, especially now in politics. Sometimes the boundaries we set will keep us from harm because our political discourse, well, it's just really unfriendly and even damaging. So there are times when, like the woman in the hospital, I am mindful of my own energy and how I bring that into conversation. And there are times when it gets to a point I am feeling so overwhelmed and not in a loving space, I'm just going to remove myself from that conversation or discourse But there are other times. There are other times when that political discourse is going to run afoul of the Gospels, and I am called to speak truth to power. And I'm going to call out those systems that attempt to thwart God's goodness and God's inherent worth that is found in all people. And in both cases, I'm drawing loving boundaries for myself and for others. To to wear that wedding garment, that's to accept what it imposes on us. A straitjacket for normative expressions or a hiding of our inner divine light and love. It's a weight designed as a counterpoise to the weightlessness of God's love. No, we have to set boundaries around this garment and risk, like Jesus, being thrown out into the darkness, our hands and feet all bound up. But in this risking, we run headlong into God's grace and maybe then understand just a little bit better what it means that many are called and few are chosen. Today's gospel reminds us that we are called into a new way of being with ourselves, with one another, and with God. To shed that wedding garment, set boundaries so that you can honor your own divine light and love. I hope you get that from the gospel reading today. Because as the Bible tells us, Let your light so shine before all people that they may see you and then glorify God who is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as we go forward from this place, this time together, may you put on the garment of Christ's love so that together we can transform the world. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. If you'd like to view our entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. Today's program was edited, directed, and produced by my wonderful husband, Alan Burroughshaw.